0: Modern smartphones are sleek and thin, but they're also fragile and expensive. If you're really careful, you may use it until you're ready to upgrade without shattering the glass. But if you look around, you'll see most phones wrapped in a case for protection. Our personal data is even more valuable than the device it's stored on, and it deserves just as much protection. The work that I do requires me to travel a lot, which means I'm frequently to connect, connected to unfamiliar networks. Nefarious hackers can make up to $1,000 selling the data of each of their victims on the dark web, and there are cheap hardware and software tools readily available that let even a smart middle schooler snatch your data without you even noticing. A virtual private network, or VPN, like ExpressVPN, creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your devices and the servers that you're transmitting data to and from. When you're you're sitting at the airport gate area, or airline lounge, or even your hotel room, those Wi-Fi networks aren't secure. Your bits are flying through the air, and whether you're checking your bank account balance, sending data to a client, or just checking your email, bad actors can snatch up your usernames, passwords, and everything else you send and receive if it's not encrypted. The layers of security used by ExpressVPN would take over a billion years to expose by bad guys with some of the most powerful supercomputers. ExpressVPN Trusted Server Technology also runs each session in memory in a unique virtual space that is wiped clean as you end your session with none of your data ever written to a hard drive, so there's no residue for anyone to recover about what you were doing after the fact. ExpressVPN runs on almost all devices, including Windows, Mac, iOS, Linux, Android, streaming devices like Chromecast, Roku, Firestick, and Apple TV, and there's also a Chrome browser extension. It's super simple to use. Once you install ExpressVPN, it's one click to establish a secure encrypted tunnel with servers in 105 countries around the world. I've personally been paying for and using ExpressVPN for years on all of my personal devices. When I, started, when I first started using VPNs for work more than 20 years ago, they were often slow and unstable and had to be restarted frequently. But with ExpressVPN, data speeds are virtually unchanged from running fully exposed, so you can just turn the VPN on and leave it on. I often get materials from clients and companies that are are under embargo or NDA, and if it leaks out, I can get into some trouble. But even if I just wanted to reach back to my personal server to grab some files, check my email, or watch something that's only available on one of my streaming services at home while I'm out of the country, ExpressVPN lets me do it all securely. Your data is valuable. Don't let bad actors steal it and potentially misuse it. Secure your online data today by visiting ExpressVPN. Dot com slash wheelbearings. That's e x p com v p n dot.com/slash wheelbearings, and you can get an extra three months free when you sign up. Expressvpn com/slash wheelbearings. And thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting Wheelbearings.
1: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket?
0: Coming up on episode 296 of Wheel Bearings, we drive new SUVs from Mazda, BMW, and Maserati, as well as the BMW i4 M50. We've got a uh, sort of semi-revival of Saab in the form of the Nev's Emily GT for sale. Uh, Toyota is the top brand traded in when people buy EVs. Are women more skeptical of buying EVs? Uh, The Hyundai Ionic 5 that is not essential, and the end of the Chevy Bolt. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 296 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam Aboual-Samet from Guidehouse Insights.
2: And I am Nicole Wakelin from True Car This Week.
3: And I am Roberto Baldwin from Ars Technica. Outstanding. Well, Mr. Baldwin. You want to go first? I will go first. Uh, so I recently drove the BMW XM. Um, typically what happens is you have these vehicles, they come out, and before we are allowed to have it for a week to do a proper uh, you know, review, we do a thing called first drive, where we show up somewhere, let's drive it for a day, maybe two, and then we write like our first impressions of the vehicle. It's good. And, you know, it's kind of a nice way to get uh get to know the vehicle before it hits the market. So when people are sort of, you know, early adopters can can f- figure out whether or not they want to buy this car. So what happened was the BMW XM had a first drive opportunity. I couldn't make it. I was I don't remember why. Um, but what I could do. Well, it was, was the month of like,
0: March when like 63000 different vehicles were all being launched at the same, same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it might have been
3: estimate. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I think it might have been that. So I couldn't make it to the event. But what I could do was fly to Arizona and pick up the vehicle from, from Phoenix and drive it all the way back to San Francisco. It's called a drive away for obvious reasons because I drove away. And uh, so I ended up doing this sort of long drive from, from Phoenix to San Francisco, which is 700, I believe, 757 miles. So it's not, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot. And uh, it's also a good reminder that uh, when people are like, well, I need a car 400 miles in case I road trip, eh, I don't think you do. Because 400 miles is a really long time behind the wheel. (laughs) So I initially (laughs) had planned to drive this thing over uh, one day, um, but uh, I was really tired. At one point, I slept in the back of the car. I pulled over to a a rest stop. I I was going to say, where did
2: you pull over to take a nap? Because it's always my nervousness when I would take a long drive like – where we should I randomly pull over and just pass out in the car for half an hour?
3: See, but it's different for me versus, like, you. Yes. Because I'm a big, tall dude, and you're not a big, tall dude.
2: And not a, I am, in fact, not a big, tall dude, correct?
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No no one – people don't – people typically do not hassle me, do not bother yeah. me uh, during my, my, my nap times. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's, what's interesting about the XM is that it's an M car. It's a, a plug-in hybrid. It is – uh, essentially, a competitor to the Lamborghini Urus. If you look at this thing, it's all sharp edges. It's very look at me. It's it's an Instagram car. It's a it's a go to the club and people see you when you get out of it. The the, the, in, the ceiling inside the vehicle um, has like this these polygon shapes that sort of stick down. So it has this, like this very textured uh, ceiling, and then it has these lights along the the, the edge. The uh, these ambient lights. And so it sort of lights it up, and everything about this car is sort of like being seen. It's it's like the the equivalent of, um, I think I I, I talked to it a little bit about how it's the equivalent of uh, it's the uh, the Vanderbilt House on Fifth Avenue, which is you know a really weird callback, but it's very much like the Gilded Age of cars right now. Mm-hmm. So you have these yeah these vehicles that are essentially built. For the sake and because of technology, because we can make these vehicles now because of manufacturing and all the tech that's available, uh, you can't build these sort of like look at me vehicles that are also actually quite nice. This actually this this vehicle, um, you know, it's it's a it's a two row SUV. Um, it, it is an M car, but it's also really comfortable. <laughs> uh, if you've ever done a long road trip in any sort of performance vehicle, you know it's not the best idea um Especially as you get older, um <laughs> it's definitely like like you know, going cross country. You implying is,
0: that their ride quality is sometimes less than ideal?
3: It is less yeah. than ideal because you have this really, you know, you have this tight ride quality, which is awesome for like you know, I'm driving fast, I'm going through the mountains, and then not so awesome for like I'm sitting on the on the freeway for four and a half hours, at at a pop, and oh my god, oh my back is killing. Me. <laughs> um, <I'm> gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I, I drove cross country once in the two. 240z with my dad Ooh. um in the summer without <laughs> oh air conditioning Lord. um with a broken arm <laughs> and oh my my transmission God. rack and pinion steering i had my left arm was broken which was fine until i got in the parking lot so i couldn't <gasps> turn up anyway so well, that uh, was a lot <laughs> yeah it was it was a thing um so but yeah so i drove you know 160 thousand dollars for the bmw xm it is real it's 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 sort of it's almost kind of the best of both worlds. You can do those road trips. So if you're, you know, this is definitely an LA person car, you're gonna, and, and LA people love going to Vegas, they <laughs> love getting their, their their dudes and going to Vegas. And they love, you know, that, you know, you go on that drive and the drive is kind of horrible because everyone loves going to Vegas from LA. But when you get there, you know, you still want to be seen. And when you're leaving, you still want to be seen. And this is the car to do that in because it's going to be comfortable on the road to Vegas. And it's also going to be, you know, if you want to do any sort of cool driving in the mountains around Vegas, you can do that. Or if you, again, if you just want to be seen with everyone in the vehicle comfortable, you can do that as well. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's and, not and a, just in
0: case anybody forgets you're driving a BMW, especially <laughs> at night, it's got that little light pipe around the perimeter of the the twin kidneys
3: yeah, yeah, it, and the twin kidneys are um, actually smaller than you would anticipate. They're much smaller than you see on the uh, the IX. They're actually in uh, proportion to the vehicle, which is nice. <laughs> um,
2: I think <laughs> we've seen concept. <laughs> yeah,
3: I think we've seen BMW just go like, you know what? We're going to make these kidneys as big as, as big as possible. Um, and it's yeah, it's 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 a car that, on it, you know, if I just sort of look at it, I'm like, oh, this isn't something that it, it's not me. It's not my personality. You know, I I, I just want to, you know, I I want a small, fast. Doesn't have to be crazy. You know, I just want, you know, I just like my little BRZ. Mm-hmm. If if it if it disappeared <laughs> oh, into the background, didn't. I don't care. You know, a WRX, I don't care if it looks weird. I, you know, I like those cars. Yeah. Mazda Miata, it's a great little car. If you know, for me, if I don't put the top up, or if I don't put the top down, um, or up. So, yeah, so, yeah, so it's actually a really nice car, you know, it had heated and ventilated seats. Um, you know, the, the, the Urus is, starts at $235,000, which is far more expensive than, than this vehicle. Um, I think, you know, the that design is, is a bit, you know, it's, it's probably, it's polarizing. That's um, one way to put I it.
2: Nicest way to say, like, not everyone's going to like this, Not everyone's, but the
3: people who are going to like it are going to like it. And I think yeah. that's 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 what it comes down. And you can nap in the back. <laughs> I think that you get the little, you got little pillows, little XM pillows. And so I'm, I'm, I'm at a I'm at a rest stop in in uh, in in Arizona. It's I don't know, one billion degrees outside. Um <laughs> I need to be concerned about uh, poisonous snakes and insects and scorpions. Um, also, Ooh. this sign in, in Arizona says poisonous snakes and insects inhabit the, inhabit the area. And has a picture of a scorpion and a snake. Scorpions are not insects, okay? They're, they're, <laughs> <let's> just,
2: <laughs> just to clarify.
3: <laughs> just to clarify. They're not technically uh, insects. So,
0: so what is a scorpion if it's not an insect?
3: It's, a, it's like a spider. Oh, okay. It's, like, it's, ra- an, arachnid, 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 yeah, it's an arachnid family. Okay. Wasn't sure. That's eight. Eight legs, not six. Okay. Um, yeah. So there you go. That's not an insect.
2: It is, uh, I just was Googling, like, I'm not believing you. It is <laughs> uh, um, scorpions are animals in the order of Scorpiones under the class Arachnida, which makes them a distant cousin of spiders. Yeah. So you were perfectly accurate. Good job. Okay. Continue. It, well, <laughs> I, I was,
3: it was for Aris Technica, so I have to be, you know. <laughs> It, it, they're a nerdy site. They, they, uh, science stuff. And I cannot like, you know, you can't phone that in.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: you can't just let something like that lie. You gotta, you gotta tell the audience, Hey, if you live in Arizona, <laughs>
2: you
3: need to talk to somebody. Um, uh, it has 30 miles of range. Um, uh, EV only range, uh, which of course immediately burned through that, um, <laughs> while I was driving. But as you're driving, you know, it'll, it'll give you a mile or two of, uh, of charge, um, onto the battery. That way, when you, you know, you you slam the accelerator down, you get that EV, you know, you get that EV bump before the motor catches up. Um, overall, no, I, I really, (laughs) I know I, I, really like this car for, especially for what it is. Um, if you, uh, if your husband or your wife or your, 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 your partner buys one of these and you're just rolling your eyes at them, but you're like, fine, you're gonna, (laughs) you're gonna enjoy the car. You, you know, you're going to be like, oh, I can't believe they bought this giant, like, look at me car. But I mean, <laughs> when you get behind the wheel or you just a passenger, you're going to have a nice time. It's comfortable when it needs to be. It's sporty when it needs to be. There's plenty of room for, you know, human sized adults. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's got a trunk. You can store your stuff in the back. And, and you can sleep in it. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you can take a nap.
3: And you can totally take a nap. And, you know, this is, this is only the second ever exclusive
0: m car you know so there's no standard bmw variant of this you know the the original m1 was the first and then now this one you know so it's it's only an m product um it's it's all you get is, is it's performance kind of kind of like the the polar opposite
3: of what the the
0: original m1 was
3: yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. Yes, it's but it's it's a, it's an M for this time because people yeah. love their SUVs, and they want to be able to take their friends or pretend like they're going to take their friends or pretend like they have friends. I don't have any friends.
2: Like, how often do a- you really bring all those? Like, I remember having SUVs when the girls were little because you need to take everyone. Like air quotes, everyone. It was on rare occasion did we actually like put us all into one vehicle because we're always like, even when you're out with everybody, you're going a different direction afterwards. Like you want to like go to the thing together, but then you're going this way and I'm going that way. You don't want to stay together. So you need two cars anyway.
3: The, the irony is that you need sort of a, an SUV or, or a large car, mostly when you're young, because like you're the only one with the car or you're the only one with a good car. Yes. That, <laughs> that's that's one of the things like we would go, yeah. me and my friends. But, we but were, of
0: course, before, when, we when we you're in that say, situation, you can't, Usually can't afford one hundred and sixty thousand. Can't dollars. afford
3: a decent car. Yeah, yeah. So we we had my little Honda Civic, the, the sedan, the hatchback. So it had two doors, and so then have four. And the three, uh, the three of us, me and my two friends, and possibly another person, would just drive for hours every every night. We drive to L.A. We drive to the beach. You know, we're from Tehachapi, so it's you know, it's 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 a it's a hike. It's like three hours each. You know, it's an hour and a half to two hours to L.A. It's three hours to the beach, and we would hop in that little car and drive there because they had Mustangs. And I, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of them had like a 68 or a 69 Mustang. The other one had like a 67 Mustang and they were, they looked cool, but they, they were not, you know, we, yeah, we, we jumped in the, in the Honda Civic to do all those, those drives. Um, and now like the only time anyone is in my car is when I go to, if I pick somebody up from the BART station to go to band practice. <laughs>
2: And even but then, you need have to... room for your stuff for a band practice. Don't you have a lot of stuff?
3: Well, no, no we have go? we have a we have a practice space that we rent, so we can just lock oh. all of our stuff in a in a oh, secure okay. building. But
0: but um, even even if you needed room to haul your gear, yeah, you know, do you want
3: this or do you want a Ford Transit Connect? Oh, well, you want the Ford Transit Connect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we gotta have the Ford Transit Connect. But yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, if I, I'm the singer and I play some guitar, I can put all my stuff in the BRC. <laughs> I don't play drums. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's only if you're a drummer is that all you need to worry about <laughs> yeah if you're a
3: drummer then you're like or a bass player you have a big bass cabinet but if you're lucky you can get the other bands like, like you're playing to show you get the other bands the back line which they bring the bass uh so you try not to be the headliner <laughs> you're like oh we'll open and then you don't have to bring as much gear <laughs> so yeah anyway yeah uh, bmw xm drove it se- i'm sorry 775 miles whoo um, over two days because there was that was during the California rains and one of the roads kind of washed out. Uh, I had stopped to, to visit my uh, some family and I got an alert on my phone that oh hey the, the route you're going there's a big something's happening and I looked it up and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to stay the night here. So I just got up the next morning and drove home and it worked out fine. But uh, yeah, 775 miles is a, is a long way. Um, every time you think about someone who's like, ah, we got to have 400 miles because in case they go on a road trip, I'm like, if you unless you road trip all the time, zzz, and and most people do not. Yeah, most people do not. It's it's a and you know the people who keep doing it, you know, more power to you. I love a good road trip, um, but most people are just kind of cruise around town. I mean, even some kind of like here in Michigan, you know,
0: a, a lot of people, you know, have you know a cabin or a cottage or something, you know, up in northern Michigan. And, you know, they'll go up there on weekends, you know, in the wintertime, they'll go up and, you know, go skiing or snowshoeing or ice fishing and summertime, they take their jet skis and and whatever, but still, if you're in the, the lower peninsula, which is most, you know, most of the people in Michigan, you're looking three, maybe four hours. It's like 250 miles tops. Yeah, it's not 700, 800 miles. That's nothing, um, unless you're unless you're going up to the the upper peninsula, then it's a whole different story. Man, that's not but, very hard. But those people aren't
3: doing it every weekend. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a now and then thing.
3: Yeah, now and then.
2: Now, now and then. then. On occasion.
3: Yeah. On occasion.
2: All right. You tell a-
3: um. Okay. Well, I
0: also had a BMW um I,
2: now i yeah. feel left out i i didn't but go ahead sam that's <laughs> fine
0: <laughs> okay um well i had i had the i4 m50 um oh, that's good car. yeah I, I had i had the i4 e-drive 40 last fall uh when i needed to take a trip to chicago um and the m50 you know is the higher performance version. The the E drive 40 is rear drive has the same rear motor as this one uh, with 335 horsepower, um, same battery and everything, but it's just, just a single motor. This one has two motors, one in the front, one in the back for a total of 536 horsepower, 586 pound feet of torque, uh, 81 kilowatt hour battery pack. Um, It can supposedly charge um, at, up to 11 kilowatts on AC. Um, although I tried it here at home with two different chargers, two different 9.6 kilowatt chargers, um, which previously with other vehicles have always been able to handle the full 9.6 kilowatts, um, but I never got it over 9 kilowatts, which is not a big deal. I mean, you can still you know do a full charge on it overnight, but you know it came up slightly short. Of what it should have been able to do. I I would I would have expected, you know, like with the the Hyundai's and Kias on the EGMP platform, you know, they get they've always gotten the full 9.6, you know, and they're capable of 11 just like this. Um, and when I took this one to the EA station, um, I was there, you know, it was uh there was one other vehicle there, and it wasn't on the same pair of chargers because they're they're now. Uh, sharing power, 350 kilowatts between two chargers. So I made sure to plug it, plug into one of the others. uh, So we weren't sharing, or at least we shouldn't have been sharing power. And it only got up to 140 kilowatts, um, even though it should be, you know, it's capable of 190 or I think 190 on the I-4. So relatively minor issue, you know, not, not a huge problem. Uh, but overall driving this thing love driving this car um it is really a pleasure to drive um you know even as as an M50 um this one the one I had had the optional 20 inch wheels the standard wheels are are um 19s um with on the 20s uh it was still quite comfortable. I did make sure to um you know be very careful to evade uh, as many potholes as possible because uh, I did not want to have my third blowout in, you know, in six months. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I, 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 did manage to avoid that. Um, you know, the, I like the overall shape of this car, you know, the, it's, this is the the grand coupe. It's, it's the same body shell as the four series grand coupe, uh, but slightly different um, fascia, you know, with most of the grill blocked off because it's an EV. Um, so there are you know, a couple of downsides to sharing that, platform with the 4 series um you do get a full transmission tunnel um even though there is no transmission uh so you've got this lump uh in the middle of you know in the middle of the back seat so if you wanted to try to carry a third person in the back seat um you know they would they would be straddling the the transmission tunnel and who um, has that many friends to be honest that's uh, i know Again,
2: we were talking and, about that no and, one has that many
0: friends and, and really you know even if you're taking another you know other people it's probably going to be like another couple you're probably not going to have three people in the back seat and unless your unless your friends are really slim you probably don't want three people in the back seat yeah yeah, yeah. It, yeah. they're not going to be comfortable even if there was no transmission tunnel there um <laughs> the the other downside you know, is you know, this has you know, kind of the classic BMW proportions, long hood, the cab kind of set back when you look at it in profile, and despite that, there's no front trunk, even though you have this fairly large volume, you know, ahead of the 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 bulkhead, um, and you know, this is a BMW's design design decision. You know, they said no, nope. yeah, people don't really need the frunk. Uh so you know, if that's if that's a deal breaker for you, you know.
2: You why do you, wanna... why do you think? Because there's a few. I want to say Subaru doesn't have a frunk in there. I forgot what the heck it's called. Why why no frunk? Like why would do you think people really don't want to use a frunk? So
0: in the, in the case other of the weird... in the case of the Subaru Salterra and the B, Toyota BZ4X, and this also applies to the Chevy Bolt and and a few others um, that are designed primarily as you know when when they're in two wheel drive form they're front wheel drive. And what they've done in the case of those vehicles is they've stacked all the power electronics, the inverter, and everything above the motor um, in the front. So all that stuff is in the front. So there's actually, you know, not that much room for a frunk there. I mean, you could okay. you could repackage it and put that stuff somewhere else, but but they decided to do that and maximize the rear cargo area. In this case here, that's not really the case. They haven't done that, you know. And if you look. If you look in the uh in the i4 M50 or the the eDrive 40 the front the rear drive version you know you can you can op- you can open up the plastic cover that's under the hood and there's a lot of space there I mean they could easily fit you know 3 maybe 4 cubic feet of of trunk space in there you know they say that you know for the the all wheel drive you know they're using up that space and certainly they're using up some of that space but it's not all of that space you know most of the electronics and everything are actually packaged in the rear by the rear motor so you know it's it's a decision that bmw made it's one less thing they have to deal with that's fine um you know i would suggest um that custom, you know potential buyers don't necessarily focus on that drive the car see if you like the car if you do i think you can probably live without the front. um there's quite a bit of rear cargo space No, um, i must have a front. yeah and you know it's a hatchback uh you know a sport back Design So there's easy access in the back. There's plenty of room back there for all your stuff, um, at least, you know, all the stuff that you might potentially need, you know, for a getaway for four people, uh, you know, you can fit back there and your groceries and everything, all that stuff will easily fit in the back. Um, the one that I had uh, was finished in the optional um, frozen portemal blue paint, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. color. That's the, the BMW's frozen colors. are their, That's their matte finishes. Um, it's not an inexpensive paint option. Um, How much does it add? $3,600. Oh.
2: Three, would you pay $3,600 for it? Is it that good? If you had $3,600 $3, to blow on paint? Probably not.
0: <laughs> I mean, it looks great. I love the way it looks. But I, if I was spending my money,
3: I probably wouldn't um Where did all that money go to for that paint because you can get paint from other people for less
0: <laughs> well it, doing the doing the matte is finishes special... is, is, is more complicated
3: all right so, so it has a matte finish so that adds yeah. like 200 bucks
0: <laughs> yeah i mean you can you know you can get the same color the port of Mal Blue in a standard gloss metallic finish hmm. um you know and it's like it's for, i think it's like a four or five hundred dollar option uh, uh oh but, it's the matte Yeah, so the frozen the yeah, buffing it out, yeah, debuffing it, (laughs) yeah. So this is the matte finish. So it 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 looks great, um, but uh, but it's it's pricey. So you know, the one I had was had the optional high performance package, so it had you know high performance summer tires on there, um, twenty inch wheels, um, you know, it also had uh, a bunch of other options. The um the I four M fifty starts at $65,99. so $66,000 with all the assorted options. um, It came to a grand total of $82,820. You wanna guess on destination charge? I'll let you go first, Nicole.
2: $14.95. Ooh,
0: $1. $1 wins it, it was 995 bucks.
2: Oh, so, I was way over you
0: know, come, coming from Germany. It's funny. You know, a lot of these cars that are built overseas. Um, you know, they, uh, they tend to have lower destination charges for some reason.
2: Yeah, I always want to do it in my head. I want it to be, but no, you're right. Some yeah. of the ones that are here are outrageous. And the ones, like you said that that's under a grand. So,
0: so if you, if you forego the high performance package with the 20 inch wheels, um, you'll get a range of about 270 miles. I think, um, if you get the 20-inch wheels, that drops to 227 miles, although I was getting closer to about 245. So, you know, it depends on how much of that high performance you use on a constant basis. Um, but, you know, in most normal driving, you're going to get closer to somewhere between 240 and 250 uh, miles with this one. Um, uh, one of the uh, other features on here that in the Driver Assistance Pro Package, um, you know, it doesn't have hands-free driving capability. It it does a good job with lane centering, hands-on lane centering. So, you know, it's you know kind of like what you would get with um, uh, t- uh, the uh, Tesla Autopilot. Uh, so it's a hands-on. And it does have um, a driver monitor system, driver monitor camera, and capacitive sensors in the steering wheel. So if you're just kind of holding the steering wheel lightly, even if you take your, your hands off the wheel for a bit – you know um when it starts to alert you all you have to do is just touch the side of the wheel and it'll say oh, okay you're good um and it does a really good job of tracking you know so they they could conceivably upgrade this to a hands-free system uh if they wanted to and who knows they might do that at some point um and part of this uh package uh you also get um autom- or lane changing automatic lane changing on demand so even though it's not a hands-free system you tap the turn signal stock in whichever direction you want to go, and the sensors will look to see if, if it's clear in the adjacent lane. And if it is, it will do the steering and execute the lane change for you. So it actually does quite well with that. Um, overall, though, if I was spending my money on an i4, having now driven both the e drive 40 and the M50, I would actually probably go for the e drive 40 the rear drive version. Because even oh. with 335 horsepower, you know, you still have lots of torque. You know, yes, this one is quicker and you will notice the difference. But it's that's not to say that the, the rear drive one is slow, not by any stretch of the imagination. And it's surprisingly efficient. You can get over 300 miles on a charge with the eDrive40. And you're still going to have pretty much just as much fun with that one as you would with this one. It's ninety
3: percent of the fun for less money.
0: Yeah, you know you can get that. um, (laughs) The eDrive 40 uh, starts at uh, fifty-seven thousand. Yeah, so nicely equipped, you can get that. You know, in the in the mid-sixties. Yeah, so basically, almost twenty grand less than this, Um, and and you'll have a little more range, and you'll you'll still have plenty of fun. So, just something to consider if you if you like the uh, the i4. Uh, and I do like this car. I like it a lot. It's I like the size of it. It's it's a good size. Um, you know, it's not as not as massive as something like an I seven. Um there is a an I5 coming later this year. Uh, but uh but I this this would be the size I think I would want. Um it's a really
3: nice car. Yeah. I it was, is. I was really surprised when I went to Germany for the first drive for it. Like they had the like BMW put up the I3, talked about modular, you know factory you know modular manufacturing and then nothing for a few years and you're just like all right fine and then they had the i4 and we went over to germany to drive it and you're like i'm sure it'll be nice and you're like oh this is very good <laughs>
0: uh so um i also had the chance to spend a day with another car uh because i had to take a quick trip out to los angeles to do uh, uh, a um record a panel on autonomous vehicles for uh for a company. Um, and while I was there, Maserati was nice enough to loan me uh, a Grakali Modena, um, which is Ooh, their new- how um that? That's their new midsize, mid-size smaller midsize um, two row crossover uh, that launched late last year. Um, the Grakali is based on Stellantis' Giorgio platform. Which, uh, for those that recall, is the same platform that underpins the uh, Alfa Romeo Stelvio and Julia. Um, so it's an excellent platform. Um, the Grecale is about six inches longer than the um, Alpha uh, the Stelvio, uh, so it's a little little bit bigger. Um, and when you get in it, you will notice some familiar things and some some new stuff. Like for example, <laughs> um, the steering wheel. You know, even though it has the Trident badge in the middle there. It also has the engine stop-start button um, under on the underneath the left-hand steering wheel spoke, uh, and then the driver mode uh, switch is underneath the right-hand side. So it's in the in the steering wheel. Um, so you know that's the same layout that you have on the the Stelvio and the Julia, which works fine once once you get used to it. Cause, you know they're they're the only other cars that I that I'm aware of that have the engine stop-start button on the steering wheel like that. Everything else, you know, it's usually on the console or on the dashboard. And so every time I get in the car for the, you know, I have to remember, oh, yeah, it's over here on my left on the on the steering wheel to, to start the thing. Um, But that's, you know, that's not a complaint. It's just something that, you know, you'll get accustomed to pretty quickly if you if you get one of these Um there, even though, you know, this is based on the same chassis as the Stelvio, it does. the, the It does have a different feel to it, you know. Um Certainly, you know, Maserati is known for performance, but it's also more luxury. You know, it mm-hmm. it it feels more premium, more luxurious than the Alfa Romeo does. And in turn, it also feels say a little bit softer. You know, it's it's a little, you know, certainly less hardcore than um than the Stelvio Quadrifoglio. Um and the Grecale comes in three different trim levels. Um the uh, the the GT uh, the Modena and the Trafeo. the the Trafail has the same twin turbo uh Natuno V6 that's in the new Gran Turismo and in the MC20 that's more quadrifolio style you know that's like up in the 500 horsepower range um the uh, Modena and the GT use the the 2 liter turbo that you'll also find in the base versions of the Stelvio and and Giulia And in a whole bunch of other Stellantis products, uh, ranging from, uh, Jeep to all all kinds of other stuff. Um, very good engine. Um, you know, it's set up with a 48 volt mild hybrid system as standard, um, in the GT, it's got 295 horsepower in the Modena, it's got 325 horsepower. Um, it is a very fun car to drive. Um, you know. Like I said, it does feel a little less hard-edged than the Alpha. You know, the Alpha is definitely tuned more for you know that kind of performance feel. You know, this is more of a, at least in 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 both of these trims. You know, I haven't driven the uh, the Trofeo yet, but in these trims, it fe- it feels a little softer. You know, the the responses are not quite as sharp as as an Alpha. Uh, but it's still you know that's not to say that you know this thing wallows around you know so it has you know really nice ride quality. Um, I I picked it up from a, a parking garage near LAX and drove it up to Calabasas by way of Malibu, um, and spent some spent some quality time driving around in the canyons in that in that area there and and had a really enjoyable time with it. Um, you know. It, you, as you push it to its limits, you know, you can, you can certainly feel where its limits are, you know, and it's, this is not, you know, in the same vein as an MC 20 or even a Gran Turismo. But, um, you know, if what you're looking for, you know, is kind of a mid-sized luxury two row crossover um, that, you know, is something different, you know, it's like, yeah, BMWs and Mercedes and Audis and, you know, uh, you know, Porsche Macans and, and everything everywhere you look. Um, and you want something that is a little more distinct, you know, that that's not those, that's not all those brands that everybody else has. Um, this is definitely something worth considering. Um, the the Gricoli, uh GT starts at $65,000, the Modena starts at $75,000. Um, I they, they didn't have, um, a, um, a Monroney for this one. So I went through the conf- configurator and built it up as close as I can approximate to the, the one that I had. Um, and it came out to a grand total of $87,100. Um, I have no idea what the delivery charge is cause they, they don't say on here. Um, but oh, wait here. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, they don't show the delivery charge on here. So I, I don't know what that would be. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're looking for something premium, but, you know, slightly different from the rest of the crowd, this is definitely something to to take a look at, Um, you know, and uh, you know, certainly I think the, the engine, the powertrain is going to, should be fairly reliable. That shouldn't be an issue with this, you know, as it might've been in the past with some other Maseratis. Uh, I, I can't necessarily say the same thing about the Trafeo with the, the, uh, the twin turbo V six, cause that's a relatively new engine. Uh, but you know, as part of Stellantis now, you know, they've, they've got, Maserati's got a lot more resources now than they, than they had in, in back in the days of the bi-turbo in the eighties and early nineties, when they you know, would regularly have thermal events. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the infotainment. That sounds
2: like <laughs> such a nice way of saying it. <laughs> Regular thermal, a thermal event. event. Just a thermal event. Don't worry about it. Just a little thermal event. <laughs> it's okay.
0: The the okay. the info, the infotainment system in this one um will be fairly familiar to anybody who's driven a, a many Stellantis vehicles of the last uh, few years. It's it's basically connect Five, uh, so it's uh, Android Automotive, but with TomTom um, Tom Maps and Alexa uh, for voice services. Um, and, uh, but you know, it's got a little bit different skin on it for Maserati. So, you know, it looks a little different than it does say in a, in a Jeep or, um, in a Chrysler or a Dodge. Um, but it, it works fairly well. My only real complaint about the infotainment, um, is there's basically everything there, there's two, t- there's dual touchscreens. There's a, a 10 inch lower touchscreen for, climate controls and seats and things like that. And then the 10 inch or 12 inch upper touch screen um, for for the other stuff, for the infotainment and maps. Um, And, uh, you know, so even things like the volume control on on the center stack is uh, touch controls. Uh, There are physical controls on the steering wheel. um, So you can use that. Um, But, you know, I prefer to have some, uh, some physical controls there on the center stack as well. Uh, but overall, you know, it was a great way to, great, great vehicle to drive around for a couple of days. Cool.
2: I was, I've never, have I driven a Monserrani? For a hot minute, I think about that's it. I would love to drive one for more than that.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully in the not too distant future, I'll be getting my hands on an MC20 and a Gran Turismo as well.
2: Look at you! Like all Maserati all the time. Is that your thing now? You're just Uh, gonna forget these? Like, well, I mean, mean, Mercedes doesn't want to
0: loan me cars, so you know, fine I'll go with Maserati. You
2: just skipped right by. You're like, fine, I'll just skip right by your Mercedes, onto Maserati. Yeah,
0: Maserati. You know, it's got it's got that Italian flair. You know, to to the design and you know, so and and the interior and everything. I I like it. I I had fun with it. You know, they'll both give me cars. I'm just saying. (laughs) 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 Whatever. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to Patreon.com/WheelBearingsMedia, and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you, and exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So, if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to Patreon.com/WheelBearingsMedia. all right, Nicole. What did yes. you drive
2: um, this week? I was in a car that I did a first drive of a few weeks back. I was in the Mazda CX-90, uh, which I really like. I like the Mazda CX-90. I'm I and what what don't I like? Because just you guys, you disagree with me every time because you think it's fine. I think it's not. I still don't like the rotary dial and tro- controller in the middle. I still don't like it. I want there to be a touch screen. It's um, weird.
3: It's, the, it's I don't know. I wouldn't say is, I like
0: it. There there is a touch screen. <laughs> There, there is a touchscreen it, that it's, functions it's when you plug in your phone. <clears throat>
2: yes, only if you're using Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So it then, which, you know, you kind of want to say is better. You're like, well, it's halfway there. And I guess that's good. But then you get stuck in your your impulses. Like, I should be able to touch the screen all the time. You almost get thrown back and forth. Like, oh, no, wait. I'm not an Apple CarPlay. I have to use a spinny dial. And when I am an Apple CarPlay, I can't No, wait. So I don't know if it actually makes it worse. Like, I like that I can use a touchscreen. But now my brain doesn't know what I'm doing. Um, And I did like that... In other Mazdas that let you do that, the screen is still really set very far back on the dashboard, so it's awkward to reach the touch screen. This one, it's set closer to the the edge, so when you reach it, it's actually not like you're stretching out to reach it. So you can see that the design took into consideration, okay, people are going to use this as a touch screen for their smartphones, so let's make it actually usable for them as a touch screen. Um, So I do like, like, I'm thinking of it baby steps. One day one day Mazda will get rid of that rotary dial controller and you will see fireworks and going off from my house and confetti and all sorts of stuff. Cause I will be so very happy to never see it again. For those yes. They will sound just like that, Robbie. So um, that, that's my, my constant complaint with Mazdas, but otherwise the CX-90. So this is going to replace the CX-9 it's their new three row crossover. Um, and they really pushed, and I said this before, they really pushed the premium premium, um, feel and look of this. Like they're not a luxury brand. They're truly not a luxury brand, but they're so darn close, especially in the top trims of their vehicles. You could easily put this by a genuine luxury brand and think, okay, yeah, this can compete, but they're not quite so expensive. So they're like I think of them now as like luxury light. They aren't quite full-on luxury, but dang, are they close. Um, And the pricing sort of reflects that. The cheapest CX-90 you can get, the base price would be $39,595. If you go all the way to the most expensive one you can get, it's $59,950. So, you know, when you're getting up to $60,000, you're no longer in a cheap SUV. It's not outrageous but it's not cheap, but you get so much in terms of what the interior looks like, the quality of the materials. It is so eye-catching. It absolutely looks beautiful. Although I have one, I don't have an actual Monroni. so I kind of just looking online to sort of figure out what I had and kind of sort of build it. And mine, the interior, it's absolutely the prettiest color, but it's just called, it's just white Napa leather. White is beautiful, but for the life of me, I do not understand Why any human being would put white (laughs) on the interior of a three row vehicle that will have children. I mean to be honest as a woman who is married i don't it's know why eventual gray be, is what but it put is white yeah. on an interior where they have a husband to to go near it um so it's yeah, like, that's true it's we can't like, be trusted
3: like, to be honest
2: you cannot yeah. be trusted and all of you guys who are like gonna argue you all know i'm telling the truth and every woman's like yes she is or, so the white or. interior which really white interiors are so pretty they are in fact mine had a little schmutz on it there's like some black grease that came oh. that was on the headliner which i have not touched i'm like guys there's a little black grease i'm not even going near that. I'm and I'm literally looking at thinking, I don't know how they're going to get that out. I don't know. And it's like almost me anxious. Like <laughs> how are they ever going to get that out? Everyone's going to get this. That's stayed forever. That's like black grease. So Aww. the white is a little bit of a tough thing. And on a car that's so pretty to have anything that's marred. Cause when you own it, you know, you're going to eat a cheeseburger or something and fumble the ketchup. And there's now red ketchup on your seat or mustard or whatever. So that's challenging, but it does look good. And the ones we drove out when we did the drive in, um, San Francisco, they had one that had like it's not technically Alcantara. I think it's a different kind of microfiber that adorns the dashboard and everything, and it's absolutely gorgeous. So interior-wise, this thing is beautiful. The ride is super quiet. I had the PHEV. You can get it with either a, it's like you can get it with either a three was it, three point three liter turbo. I lost yeah, it's a, my it's a, thing. yeah, it's a twin turbo inline yeah. six twin turbo inline six, or you can get it with the plug-in hybrid. And I had the plug-in hybrid. I believe I have the premium plus, which is the fanciest of the fancy pants. And it comes with, you can get this. There's a lot of configurations of this six, seven, or eight passenger seating. The one I have is seven passenger seating. So it's two up front, captain seats in the middle, three seats in the back. Um, And I do like that I mean, I don't think Robbie could sit back there. Robbie, you're always my, like, could Robbie sit there? Like, you know, what would Jesus do? Could Robbie sit there? Um, so
3: what would Robbie do? Like, He'd probably what stay What would home. Robbie
2: do? Robbie would be like, no, I'm walking. I'll past. drive.
3: I'll drive yeah, myself. I'll drive.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll find another way home. Bye. So I think it'd be tight for someone your height, but like an, more of an average height person, or like if you have kids that are going to be in that third row, you're going to be okay. Uh, second row is very spacious. And with those captain's chairs, it's super comfortable. Um, if you're just doing the, two people up front and a couple in the back or a couple of, you know, like your, your kids or teenagers, they're going to think that it's fantastic because it's nice and roomy. And it is fun to drive. So with the hybrid powertrain, you are getting uh 323 horsepower, 369 pound feet of torque. So it's not a slouch. I mean, this is a pretty big vehicle. It's not tiny, but when you hit the gas, it moves. You don't ever feel like it's holding back. You don't ever feel like, It's, you know, you never get that sense of merging into highway traffic and thinking I should let that truck go first because then I'm going to die. Like you have plenty of room to merge in front of other cars on the highway. And I feel like you have plenty of uh, power that once you're there, if you want to pass around slower vehicles, do some acceleration, you know, to get around traffic, that is easy to do. It also does it very quietly. Um, I feel like, you know, you want to hear the engine When you're driving a true sports car, sporty car, or something that's, you know, whether it's a tiny one or a big one, if it's a sporty car, if it's all about performance, you want to hear it. Otherwise, you don't really want to hear it. You know, you got three rows of seating. You want it to be relatively quiet for yourself, for the people that you have with you, for your kids to pass out on a road trip. And it is nice and quiet. Um, But it's still, even though being quiet and not having a noisy engine, which is a non performancy thing, it still handles like a Mazda. Yes, it's three rows. Yes, it's big. It's not Sam's Miata, but it does handle like a Mazda. It's It's got good handling. It's crisp. It doesn't feel floaty in the corners. It, you know, We had some twisty turny roads to take when we had it on the drive. I took it out on, into to the farmland that we have here in New Hampshire. There's all these narrow twisting roads. It was fantastic. It was really, really fun to drive it. So if you're still looking for that kind of Mazda driving feel, that engagement, that kind of driver centric experience, but you need to have something bigger. Uh, You want to have room for up to eight people, then the CX90 does it, and it does it in a very premium way.
0: Which exterior color did you have?
2: I have white. It's just, Uh, it's all white white all the time. I know (laughs) I was, I was like, yay, Mazda. I'm like, where's my, my soul crystal Uh, 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 red. What do they call it? It's artisan red. I guess Artisan red they they also offer
0: soul crystal red. So you can get,
2: but for reasons completely unknown to me, I have white, (laughs) just white. I mean, they're just white. It's a very lovely white. The interior is also very lovely white, but what I really want is my soul crystal red metallic. It is my favorite paint of all the paints. It's gorgeous. I Uh, like it better than the artisan red. The artisan red is lovely. The artisan red is more of like a more luxurious. Yeah. I just want like blammo bright red. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, uh, Just looking through the, uh, the configurator on the Mazda site on the interior Mm -hmm. page um, for the, the plug-in hybrid, you get two options. You, you get the, you you can pick white or black Napa leather. Um, And then the other thing that they have listed on there is a pet seat protector for the second row. So yeah, they have got it right, right there. So <laughs> you, you pick, you pick that white, you absolutely, if you have, if you have a dog, um, you definitely want to get the pet seat protector. You know? If you
2: have a dog, if you have kids, if you have a husband, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think in that case, then what you probably want to do is like, you know, the old school, you know, the, the plastic coverings on
3: the furniture that, you know, like your, you had in the furniture, had. right.
2: That you yeah. could see through it, so you could still see the lovely flowered pattern, but you wouldn't right. harm the pattern. Yeah, don't That's mess up the
3: pattern mean. with your body.
2: You, it'll go like crinkle, yeah. crinkle, crinkle, and stick to your like. It's fun because you summer. can slide
3: yeah. across it, like you can whoosh, put, like like some whoosh. sweats on and run and jump yeah. on the couch. Woo!
2: Yeah, <laughs> people didn't have those on the seats of their grandmother's house. Have no idea what they're missing out on. <laughs> yeah, <they're> missing
3: out. <laughs> You're really blowing it.
0: Uh, all right. Anything else on the CX90?
2: No, I mean, I like the CX-90. It was fun to have it for a little bit more drive times. You know, you do these, the the first drives and you get a really good taste of it and they gave us plenty of time behind the wheel, but it's always nice to sort of live with it, you know, drive it to the grocery store, drive it around town and just kind of experience it the way you would normally drive a car. I, I like the CX-90. I like the CX-90 enough that I might be able to overlook the infotainment controller that I hate Right <laughs> I in the market for a three row SUV. <laughs> well,
0: you know, it still has CarPlay, you know, so you can just it plug does. that in. Well, that's that why,
2: because I could use the CarPlay and Android Auto and avoid that controller at all costs. So
0: Yeah. So there you go. Yeah.
2: All
0: right. CX90. Let's, uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened this week. So you, you, you both, you're, you both, both remember Saab, right?
2: Yes, I do remember Saab.
0: Do you, do you remember what happened around 2009, 2010 with Saab? No. There's so many things that have happened with Saab. <laughs> I
2: don't know what yeah. happened with so, so,
0: so GM, you know, fall after the uh, the financial meltdown in the fall of 2008, decided they needed to get rid of a bunch of brands because they had like eight brands at the time. They got rid of Pontiac and Hummer and uh, what else? Yeah. Um, there was, there was something else. Uh, and, and then there was also Saab. And they said, you know, they had bought Saab in the early 90s. Um, and they said, okay, we're, we're going to get rid of Saab. Um, and it, the initial plan was they were just going to shut it down. They weren't even going to offer it to anybody. But then um, somebody came along, like uh, Spiker came along and offered to buy it. So Spiker bought it, and that didn't work out so well. They never managed to get any product out the door. Um, and eventually it ended up in the hands of... Uh, um some chinese owners who re- renamed the company to nevs uh new electric vehicle something i think nevs <coughs> uh and they set about trying to develop evs based on the the existing they started off with the Saab 93 and um you know i think they might have built a few hundred of those that were sold in china um and then they developed a, a larger one um, which was named the Emily, um, the Emily GT. Not sure why, but that's that's what they called it. And it it it, it Wait, looks do
2: you know what I found out what NEVS actually stands for?
0: What was it? I never eat vegetables according
2: to this. It stands for National Electric Vehicle uh, Sweden.
0: Okay, that's it. Yeah, you're right. I, I just I
2: had to Google, I'm like, yeah, so there we go. Yeah. Not that I was just like, huh, that's weird. Okay, continue. So, Sorry. So they developed this <laughs>
0: Emily GT that when you look at it, it it has quite a bit of resemblance to the last Saab yeah. 9.5. Not a bad thing. I mean, it's a, it's a decent looking car. Um, and at, at some point in the last couple of years, uh, Nevs got acquired by Evergrande, which is a huge Chinese uh, real estate development company um, that had also at one point over the last several years agreed to invest a couple of billion dollars in Faraday Future, um that whole plan never oh. really came to fruition. Yeah, we know how um, that worked out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they ended up acquiring the, the assets of NEVS and Evergrande, uh, which you know is they had they had their own issues in terms of money because they had a huge amount of debt. Um, but they, they ended up with NEVs and they had agreed to um fund the uh the manufacturing of first couple of hundred of these, uh, Emily GTs, um, or oh, sorry, no 20, they, they ordered 20 of them to be built, uh, of the prototypes. Um, this thing had 653 horsepower, 500 or 620 mile range, sorry, 500 horsepower, 620 mile EV range, uh, from a 175 kilowatt hour battery. Um, and, um, unfortunately for, for Nevs. um, Evergrande basically ran out of money and stopped funding uh, Nevs, and they only got six of these built. Um, but uh, there's at least one of them that's available for sale. Um, it's got wheel motors, hub, hub motors. If if you're into that sort of thing, um, it's uh, it's interesting. What do you what do you guys think of it?
2: I think it looks really cool. I, I I'm sad that this isn't happening. I didn't know it was there, and I'm just sad that I know it was and isn't making it
0: yeah um I, yeah it'd be you know be nice if somebody acquired the assets and maybe move forward with this project do you but. think
2: anybody will though because I mean does anybody is does this bring anything to the table that other companies doing the EV thing don't already have?
0: yeah probably not.
2: you know what I mean like if there was something like this has X, nobody has X well, let's buy it the,
0: the wheel motors it. are the are probably the only thing that's really distinctive the you over, know, and, right? yeah and right and you got that on the Lordstown here. endurance. And, so there's well, not uh, a huge Rabian.
2: reason, yeah. So there's not a huge reason to buy this other than you guys. This looks really cool. Let's save this. And I don't know if yeah. that that's a realistic business proposition. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it might be. Maybe there's an executive that's like, yes, it is. But
0: but there's six prototypes yeah. at work that you could probably get your hands on one.
2: Maybe. How much do you think it would cost?
0: Uh, I don't know. Uh, probably way too much. And you'll More never get. You any, you'll never get any spare parts for it. So.
2: Nope. So if you break it, yeah. If it goes sideways, if your prototype that's not ready for prime time is really not ready for prime time,
0: yeah. you're in trouble. Uh, let's see. Yeah. No. No indication of how much they were
2: yeah, looking for for
0: for these cars. Might be something that interesting is. for a collector though.
2: Oh, I bet a collector would buy it. That's yeah. how you're going to see it. It's going to show up in some collectors. Like if garage wanna, or something. If you collect
0: rare EVs, yeah, you know, here you go. Here's mm-hmm. the one for you. Yeah. All right. Um, let's stick with uh with EVs. Uh, actually, we got a whole bunch of EV stuff today. Um, remember the uh, the Tesla yoke?
3: Yes. Yoke,
0: huh?
3: That seemed like a good idea at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that didn't that that didn't work out so well. I mean the the no. the, the hardcore Tesla fanboys loved it. Um. Oh, but, they loved it because someone told them to love it.
2: Did yeah. you drive the yoke? Did you guys drive the yoke that the Lexus had?
0: No, I haven't tried it yet.
2: Ugh.
3: Oh, you didn't like it? Mm-mm. It's for F one. Just leave it. Yeah. Did where you drive? Did
2: you drive it, Robbie? Did you? i forget, Why can't no, I remember what was on?
3: I can't. Yeah, no, I didn't drive it. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, you can make it work, but why? You-
0: I mean, at least I mean, in the case I mean, of,
3: it, in the case of Lexus, they had a steer by wire system.
2: Yeah. So, yes. you know, wire optional. It's yeah. actually it's optional. Like it's, and they're betting like a very small number of people will buy into doing the yoke. I think it's just kind of like, Hey, we could do this. People may or may not like this. Let's do it. You know? Um, and it was, it drove fine, but it was, there's definitely a learning curve to getting used like when you know, you're used to, you put your hands, you, there's no wheel to slide around. You're like, wait, where do I to hmm. lift my hand and put it back over here? It's a little weird. Yeah, well, in the the
0: yoke, you know, in the the case of the Tesla yoke, you know, they they kept they stuck with the mechanical steering. So, you know, you still have to, you know, turn it over a couple of times you know, trying to go hand over hand with that Mm -hmm. is was not not a good experience,
3: I think. Can't shuffle steer Um, a yoke.
0: And and so they, um, you know, about six, five or six months ago, I think Tesla started offering a proper round steering wheel as an option that you could replace your yoke. Uh, for about seven hundred and fifty bucks, um, and then they eventually made that standard on the Model S and the Model X, um, and now the yoke is back. But if you want it, you have to pay an extra two hundred and fifty bucks for it. So, so now, now available said, as an option instead of standard.
2: Yeah. I wonder how many people will actually pick that as an option. What is the take rate, as the um, industry says? I mean, I'm someone's
3: sure. going to buy it. There's yeah, be, but I don't know, ten percent.
2: You think ten? What do you think, Sam?
3: Um, I'm
0: guessing probably more like three or four, maybe five percent.
2: I mean, they don't
3: sell a lot of S's and X's yeah. anyway, so I figure the people who are buying them are going to be like super hardcore Tesla fans. It so is gonna be a gonna...
2: super hardcore fan who wants their Tesla to look different than everybody else's Tesla, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like mine has to look specialer than yours.
3: I got the yoke, you're like, oh, I get oh, the yoke, right. you
2: don't have the yoke. Oh, I get the yoke, all um, right, back whatever. out of your
3: parking space, like, oh crap,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Good luck. You gotta put that little
3: ball on there that spins. Like yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, the, like the old
0: uh, cab drivers used to have. Yes. Yes. All right. Um Carmax, a big uh used car seller, um, you know, before before Carvana came along. Um, they released uh some data, uh some interesting data recently. Um among which um you know they had some numbers on the uh, common trade-ins for EVs at their at their uh, stores. Um, so, what do you think was the top tr- the top brand traded in for an EV at Carmax okay. last year?
2: Without looking, I haven't. I'm not looking. I was scrolling down. I, I, won't saw look. I see there's charts. No, I haven't seen it. I saw the charts and oh. I didn't look at um, the top EV brand or the top the like top, the top rich-
0: brand that people traded in to buy an EV from Carmax. Just regular old car brand. Uh, Toyota. Yes. 12% right. of all the people that bought EVs from CarMax traded in a Toyota.
2: Okay. Do you uh, know why per- I thought that? Did they say why? I think Toyota, because Toyota has a huge number of hybrids. Yeah. So if you wanted to go in one, one deeper.
3: A little you more. A little, a, little more
2: a little something, something. You're going to trade in your vast number of ginormous number of Toyota hybrids out there for an EV.
0: So this, the second brand in the list is BMW though at 8%. And four, okay, don't also
2: blow
0: my <laughs> no. I mean, your, your theory well, makes I wonder sense. If, but if,
3: <laughs> I mean, there were, I, I mean, when we talked a little bit about how the i4 and you know, there was a big gap between the i3 and the i4 and the iX, mm-hmm. I think I wonder if that's still that gap is still because CarMax mm-hmm. sells used cars. Wait, do they sell news cars? They sell everything, don't they? Yeah, no, oh, they just sell used, you, uh, mostly used. Yeah, think so that, uh, so there wouldn't be any, there wouldn't be any, um, there wouldn't be a lot of BMW EVs in the market, They're in yeah. the used market at this point.
2: Yeah, there wouldn't be. Not yet. It's too. It. Well, I mean, yeah, it's too early for there to be a heck of a lot of them.
0: Yeah. As, as far as vehicle types, what do you think was the top type of vehicle traded
2: in? SUVs.
3: Yep. People forty percent. Mm hmm. Um, and then what do uh, they leave with? Probably just another SUV. <laughs> probably. <laughs>
2: Another, an or, electric SUV <laughs> or,
0: or a model a three or a model Y
3: Model three. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and then followed by sedans and coupes at 29% and luxury vehicles at 17%, which I thought was interesting. I would have expected that number to be higher. Although not, I mean, you know, there's luxury SUVs, so I'm not quite sure how they split that up. Like how oh, did they yeah. break
2: it? Cause there are, yeah. Is it SUV, yeah. just any SUV, including luxury SUVs? Yeah. 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 The luxury vehicle is a weird category. There's also luxury trucks. There's luxury sports cars, and there's luxury
3: vans. What what
2: just is a luxury vehicle? What gets pulled out all by itself?
0: And then uh, top top states for EV sales. Any
3: guesses?
2: California. Yep. I mean, how could that not be the first? We have the most
3: people. We have the most EV infrastructure. We like cars. Yeah, the, the, the
0: top, yeah. the top five are all you know the western part of the oh, U.S. Yeah. California, Washington, Nevada, Oregon, and Arizona.
2: Which makes perfect sense. I don't yep. think that's a surprise at all.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, so there was also um, a uh, a study from. Um, let's see who who did this. This was done uh, by uh, Ipsos, uh, which is a, a polling firm. Uh, along with a a consulting company called barrels, which I've never heard of before. Um, And they, um, they, they asked people about their interest in uh, EVs and they, they broke it out. They broke out the data um, between uh, those that are early adopters uh, of EVs, buyers considering an EV and then car shoppers skeptical of EVs. And, what was interesting is in the the skeptical group um the most the, the highest percentage of uh people in the skeptical group were females were, were women 61% of those skeptical about evs were women wow what why do you think that is nicole
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking on behalf of all lady. women, yeah. as a, as a as, lady. Well, I mean, as we speak evidence, on behalf of all men, also, so. Wait a minute. So I'm looking at this thing, too, and it says car shoppers, shoppers, shoppers skeptical about EVs. Most of them, they have a mean age of 57 and they're 61 female. So it's talking about older women. Yeah. Like, because if the mean age is 57, right? So you're not getting like 23-year-olds in here. Right. So, yeah,
0: because if you look at the, you know, those considering EVs the average is 45 years old,
2: 45. So that's a pretty big difference. And it also, yeah. And that's 47% uh, female. So, it, so it is more older women. I I would say part of that possibly could be just like, okay, let's, as you skew older on the scale, the older you get, the going wisdom is that gentlemen do not tend to live as long as women. So that's going to mean that older women are je- if older folks are more skeptical, it's going to skew towards women. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, All the so dudes are dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, to a certain point, like how many women, well, right? Yeah, the no, common, I mean,
0: yeah, women, it's, women it's have truth. a longer when average lifespan. When you're looking than just
2: at longevity, yeah. right? Like in, as a whole, women live a little bit longer than men. So that means if the older population is more skeptical, which I think they are, I think the, you know, then it's going to skew heavier that older women are going to make that be like yeah, they're the most skeptical bunch of the lot. most of them, because there's more of them than older men, but I don't, I don't <clears throat> But go ahead.
3: I wonder if some of it has to do with like a gas car, you know, is, is a pretty reliable beast now, mm-hmm. like, you know, the last 20, 25 years, you know, manufacturing has gotten so well and EVs are new and they're exciting, but do you know, if you don't, unless you like really delve into it, you don't know that they're a bit more efficient They're you know, they're, the, the reliability is, is, you know, you're not, you're not sure on their reliability. And, and if you're a, a lady and your husband, you know, Maybe you don't want a car that might break down in the middle of nowhere.
2: Exactly. who will be like,
3: Oh, it's an adventure.
2: And that also actually (laughs) applies even just to women in general. If think about this, not trying to stereotype, but reality, right? A lot of women are home with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. Women are hauling their kids all around. The last thing I would have ever wanted when I had a car full of kids Was to somehow have an issue with either not being able to charge if I took them out to that farm in the middle of nowhere or not being able to find a charger or having the charger charge really slow. And now I'm stuck in the car with my kids
0: in the back corner of some dark parking lot in the middle of the night.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why I can see why as a whole women would be more skeptical about saying, yeah, sure. I'll buy into this EV thing. I'm young and I have kids. I don't want to get stuck with them. I'm older and I'm alone. I don't want to get stuck with what with by myself. You know, yeah. there's some solid reasons. Like we were just talking about you, Robbie, like you just pull over and take a nap wherever you want. Yeah, I can I'm just do whatever I, I little, want. Right. You're going to, you're going to not uh, when they're going to pay a little bit more attention to that. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want to be stranded here. You know, Robbie can take on all comers. Little 80 year old lady can't. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, and then the, the other interesting tidbit here, or a cu- couple of other interesting bits of data here, among the early adopters, sixty-four um, percent live in major cities, um, and the minimum accepted range was two hundred forty-seven miles for those considering an EV. Forty-nine percent in cities, and minimum range two hundred forty-four miles. Uh, so both, both I think, pretty reasonable yeah. numbers. Um, yeah, you know, it, It's it sort of know, lines up with what the yeah. market has as well. Right among those uh, skeptical about EVs, only 11% live in major cities and 353 mm-hmm. miles was the minimum range that they would accept.
2: So it's uh, folks in the country who are like, yeah. there's nowhere to oh. charge and I have a long way to get anywhere. Yeah.
3: yeah. Or they don't, yeah. they just think they do. Yeah, exactly. Think, yeah. Either it's one of other. those
2: things. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. But if you're like in the middle of Idaho, yeah. And it's like 40, mi- 40 miles of town and 40 miles back. So that's 80 miles and you get to charge overnight and, you know, maybe town has a charging station. They have one, like, you know, seven seven kilowatt charging station. You know, you're thinking like, well, why would I do this? Yeah. Why would I put myself, why would I add that right? additional stress when I could just, you know, just buy a, I don't know, a, je- a Jeep or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what people drive in Idaho. Drop, drop.
2: <laughs> Trucks. trucks. I feel like I'm going to make all of Idaho drives trucks, and also all that you can grow there are potatoes. Mm, Idaho potatoes. potatoes. That's <laughs> it. I I don't make any stereotypes whatsoever in my life. Idaho Except trucks. Potatoes. potatoes. I mean, no they I kind of.
3: I mean, they've kind of really, you know, that's their jam.
2: They've gone hard on the whole the potato only, thing.
3: Yeah, it's not like we're just making this up.
2: Yeah, it's like they, they do
3: advertising, and it works. I don't want people <laughs> in Idaho emailing me. We make more than yeah. potatoes. I'm like, I yeah. I love you, Idaho.
2: I'm kidding. I'm just saying your thing is the potatoes.
3: <laughs> I don't know Idaho enough to say I love it.
2: You <laughs> don't spend I'm enough say time. It's probably lovely folks I'm sure it's in fine. Idaho and really good French fries. I
3: think you would hope so. I would yeah. hope they have all the extra potatoes of practice,
2: <laughs> right? Right. They have all the extras, right? Like let's try just frying these with these substandard ones we can't ship to the rest of the world. Practice oh. our French frying.
3: <laughs> we can't ship these out. Uh
0: okay. Uh let's move on uh to another one from Tesla. They released their um their second uh impact report, um, which is kind of you know goes into all there's a whole lot of stuff in here. We're not gonna cover all of this. It's like I don't know, a couple hundred. 224 pages. So we're not gonna I'm gonna talk about that, but there's <laughs> there are a they couple of, couple of interesting data points in here. Uh one, they um you know, in talking about um their product impact, um, you know, talking about making EVs affordable, um, freedom to travel, uh, maximizing safety and building the grid of the future, making EVs affordable. Um, they talk about they they compare the total cost of ownership. Of a Model Three standard range, to a Toyota Corolla, a base Toyota Corolla, and I'm kind of surprised that they put this particular data point in here, because for over five years and sixty thousand miles, they uh, they claim uh, the Model Three has a total cost of ownership of forty nine cents a mile. The Corolla is only forty six cents a mile, so it's actually cheaper. Um, you use more, use you know, you're going to spend more a little more on gas um and uh slightly more on uh maintenance tires and repairs although maybe a little dubious about that one especially compared to a Toyota uh and then insurance uh the insurance cost for the the Tesla is going to be significantly higher. higher and then and then the the cost of the vehicle obviously a lot higher
2: Way higher than a Corolla,
0: but when you, why when you would add you everything pick the
3: Corolla? up, Corolla—they're not even in the same. They're, are they? Why are cross-shopping Corollas Were they? Corollas were they wait,
2: Model but threes. were they? I'm trying to figure that out too. Why would they pick Corolla? Were they trying to compare it to something that's like, like, is this the strategy here? Let's compare this to an affordable, everybody can get it, average car. Yeah, and look that, at how close ours comes to that. Like, yeah, is that says, why the Corolla? Yeah, it
0: says while well, you know? the sticker price of Model Three is similar to an equivalent BMW or Audi. The lifetime running costs of EVs are lower than those of ICE vehicles due to lower maintenance costs, cheaper electricity, and higher residual value of used Tesla vehicles. So, yeah, it's exactly that. They they wanted to compare it to something very mainstream that, you know, sells hundreds of thousands of units a year, um, you know, and show how close it is to something like the Corolla, you know, which is the the Corolla is the best-selling nameplate of all time in the auto industry. They sold more Corollas than, Really? Yeah. They it surpassed the uh the Model T back in the mid 80s, I think, mid or late 80s. Wow. Um and it's, you know, it's continued to sell in, in ridiculously large numbers. So, um it's almost as cheap they claim as a as a Corolla.
3: Yeah. All right, over 5 years, 60,000 yeah. miles. Finally got down to that page. 63 yeah. pages in. <laughs> yeah. Um uh
0: and then the uh the other interesting thing here is the supercharger uptime. You know, we've complained a lot about uh reliability of DC fast chargers or public chargers. Tesla is claiming their uptime for superchargers is 99.95%, which
3: yeah. I, I, you know what I don't have I don't have any data to dispute that to be honest I,
2: know, <laughs> yeah. I don't either and you know what everything no I've one, ever heard no anybody one's ever owns yeah a Tesla everybody I know who owns one is like I've had one in the five years I've owned one that didn't work or like they yeah. always I like I don't think I think anecdotally does do either of us or any of us have anything like no that seems no. wrong even seems when I took that right.
3: BMW to it it worked fine right <laughs> even when I plugged the BMW like, I was like ah, eh, this works there yeah, you go yeah
2: it's hard to argue with that one <laughs>
3: It's uh yeah no it's 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 uh, <clears throat> I mean yeah they know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, no, definitely on chargers. And then the other one that actually I think is is actually a good sign for the industry as a whole for EVs is after two hundred thousand miles, their average uh, capacity degradation on the batteries is only twelve percent. Uh, oh, that's pretty, which which is pretty two hundred thousand
3: miles. That's a long way yeah little, how many people have i mean there's a few but most people you know once you hit 120 people are like eh. yeah i
0: mean it's it's yeah. not unusual to have cars with 200 000 miles on them um but you know i think the the concern is um you know f- among a lot of people is that you know am i gonna have to replace this battery after six or seven years you know um yeah. and how much is that going to cost me well the, the reality is the battery is probably going
3: to be useful for as long as the rest of the car is actually useful. And you know, what's interesting is Tesla gives you the entire pack. They don't have like usable versus gross. They give you everything. Yeah. If it has a hundred kilowatt, they, they, the, you know, the default
0: mode in there is that it limits it to 90% capacity. So you have to put it into long range mode to actually get, you know, they, the, the range that they quote is based on a hundred percent of the battery capacity. But um, the normal driving mode is only using ninety percent of the capacity. Even then. It's still more
3: than yeah. the 80. Yeah. And they give you the option to just go all in. Yeah. Which people just do because they they do. And even even ninety percent. And especially if you're supercharging a lot, I mean two hundred thousand miles, twelve percent. That's and you know what's funny is that people don't think mm-hmm. about the fact that their their gas car, as it gets older, it gets it the engine gets less efficient. Yeah. Right.
2: Right. Like, and you know, Yeah. You, just a regular old ice engine. The longer you drive it, whatever you were getting for fuel economy, when it's new, you're not going to get that in a year and you're going to get way less than that in five, six, seven, eight years, you know,
3: thousand yep. miles later. I don't know what right? the Jaguar is giving me right now, but I think every time I get in it, it's it, it, like, as soon as I turn it on it just goes, a
2: little more, yeah, it just goes,
3: it just eats three gallons every time I just turn it on. If you have turned
2: it on. <laughs> boom. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, another one here. Um, the Hyundai Ionic Five, which I think we all agree we we really like, uh, like driving that thing. Um, last year, um, Hyundai in Canada offered a version of the Ionic Five called uh, a trim level that they called the Ionic Five Essential, which they never sold here in the U.S. Um, and the reason why they offered it um, was because. The uh, the tax credit system, the tax incentives for buying an EV in Canada, had this uh, little cork in there that they had a price cap of $45,000 Canadian. And a couple of years back, Tesla offered a version of the Model 3 that had the battery that they sold for 40, $44,990. Um, and the, what they did was they software limited the battery to a range of just 93 miles. I mean, who wants a Tesla with 93 miles of range, but what they did was after you bought the car and got your tax credit, then you could get, you could buy, you could pay for an over-the-air software upgrade for several thousand dollars that unlocked the rest of the battery. So you had the full range. It was a trick. Um, Hyundai took a little bit different approach to this.
3: (laughs) It went too far.
0: Instead of of (laughs) software limiting the battery um, they left, you know, they actually physically decontented the system. So Tesla didn't actually decontent the system. They just gave you, they limited your access to some stuff like the battery Hyundai actually took stuff out of the car, like the whole DC fast charging circuit. So this guy, um, in this article bought, um, a Hyundai Ionic essential. Um, and then it to um an EV fast charger uh, or to a DC fast charger and was trying to figure out how to plug it in he couldn't plug it in and so you know he started posting some stuff online in a forum you know trying to figure out what or you know what what he had to do to to fast charge it and it turns out there's no way to do it because Hyundai just didn't install those parts in the car. the The whole circuit, the DC fast charging circuit, and the CCS, the CCS charging connector, where the two big pins are for the DC charging below, there was just a a solid piece of plastic there. there it's was, like a PHEV, no yeah. It's like a PHEV, <laughs> yeah. So you just had all you had access to was the 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 standard J seventeen seventy two connector. So you could only do AC charging on this. Um, Whoa. they they apparently didn't sell very many of these. Um, I think uh-huh. it was like uh oh 30? yeah, they only they only sold 30, 30 of them.
2: Yeah, they only yeah. sold 30, so they didn't sell very many.
0: Yeah. So fortunately, there's you know, your your risk of getting one of these is pretty small. But if you are <laughs> in Canada um and you're buying a, an Ionic 5,
2: oh my gosh, that would be terrible. Yeah, you know,
0: make sure you check for that. Do not get the Ionic 5 essential. Whoa. Yeah,
2: that would be that would be somewhat disappointing if you managed to did, do that, especially, since, you
0: know, especially because this car is capable of charging so quickly. You know, yeah. the, that's that's the one thing you don't want to leave off the car. Does it have the same yeah. range? Uh, Yeah, Um, I think it's just can charge fast. Yeah, I really think it's the, the standard range version, you know, so it's like 240 miles or something like that. Wow. So it's the, the smaller battery, I think.
3: Um, I mean if you could get one for like twenty thousand, I'd still I'd probably do it. Yeah. Yeah, you like, get well can you fast charge it? No, but I can drive the hell out of it. Near yeah. my, but I have uh, to go three,
0: home right by it. my it's house. Three hundred three hundred and
3: fifty-four kilometers, so about
0: two hundred and forty miles of range. Um, but you just can't there's just no fast charging available.
3: You just gotta charge at home every night. Yeah. Hella slow. So all
0: right. Um wow. and then last one, uh the end of the Chevy bolt.
3: I'm so confused. Why? Oh, okay, so here, here's what I think. I, 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 I talked a little bit to Sam. Hey, what happened is like they had the bolt. They are, they were already planning on getting rid of it this year. It was sort of you know rumblings that it was going away, but then they had battery, the battery issues, and they're, like, and after the battery issues, I'm sure they were like, oh, we definitely have to get rid of it because no one's mm. going to buy this car. No one's one. afraid
2: of it now.
3: Yeah, it's, it's going to catch on fire. No one's going to buy this mm. car anymore. That's the end of it. Let's just run it out. And be done with it it's put some put some discounts on it and maybe we'll we'll sell a few units and then it turned out to sell really well like it was like you hey, fixed the battery cool i would totally want one
0: and you, you're like you know, you want, what you offer a 260 mile range ev for twenty six thousand dollars. um suddenly people actually want it
2: yeah it was like yeah. woohoo
0: and so
3: i think they i think they, they they're like uh oh <laughs> We are, but we already have, you know, we've already set aside the production for all these other vehicles. And the fact that they kept, like, touting the Silverado, like, "Well, we're making the Silverado. I'm like, don't, don't, come on. Because the people who are buying a Bolt aren't buying a Silverado. They want an inexpensive, small EV to drive around saying, hey, we're getting rid of this, but we're going to build a giant truck with a huge battery that you can't afford.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, this is the expensive to, thing.
3: <laughs> to, to be fair, you know, they are launching the uh, Equinox EV. Um, this oh, yeah. But it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit more expensive, but also, I mean, they kept talking about, you know, that press release, Silverado, Silverado, Silverado. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because that's what they're going to build at that plant. Uh, You know, they're starting Silverado production
0: in Detroit uh, sometime in the next couple of months. And, and then um, they're going to add production at the Orion plant north of Detroit um, for Silverado and Sierra. Um, uh, You know, I'm sure that. You know, while Chev, you know, GM likes you know the being able to sell a whole bunch of EVs. Um, the the reality is they're probably losing several thousand dollars, many thousands of dollars on every one of these that they sell for twenty seven thousand um, dollars. Because even when it was you know thirty four thousand or thirty seven thousand dollars, they weren't making money on this thing. Of course, you know they were only selling twenty five thousand a year, and then they went and sold twenty thousand in the first quarter this year um yeah. because Another of the low so. price
3: the economies of scale sam yeah because they'll sell a hundred thousand if it keeps up they'll sell a hundred thousand this year yeah <laughs> on the last year of oh, a car that came out forever ago and they did zero mm-hmm. marketing on it that's the other weird thing is that when the when the bolt came out they like had us drive it 17 times mm-hmm. like they made a big <laughs> deal about how they it came out before the model three yeah. and the first ones were delivered in fremont you know where yeah. the model three is being built <laughs> Well, yeah. Then, I mean, the, and the, then the, the, it was just the, radio silence for years. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the drive program, you know, that they
0: did, you know, from we started, we uh, took off from a hotel in Palo Alto that was like a mile from Tesla headquarters. Yeah, you know, and drove, you know, drove out to Half Moon Bay and then up to San Francisco. Yeah, you know, and it was a great car to drive in San Francisco
3: because it's so small. It's, it's yeah. a lot easier to maneuver around. Right, right. So now it's a it's. I mean, it's it's. I, I mean, I wish they could they could keep it going. Yeah, I wish they would keep it going. I wish they, or at least say, hey, we have another car that's well mid twenties, that's coming, that's on the uh, the ultimate platform. Yeah, I mean,
0: the the Equinox is supposed to start at thirty grand. That thirty thousand dollar version is probably not going to be out until sometime middle of next year. Yeah,
3: I think they said fall twenty twenty four, which means it'll probably get yeah out. or spring twenty twenty four uh so yeah i don't know little, they, so I which think, means summer yeah. which really means summer twenty twenty four. yeah <laughs> um
0: so you know there's that so if you if you want a cheap ev with lots of range um you know go get your bolt now uh because it's a, it's a good car
3: yeah around town you can throw like the bolt bolt euv both of them are good little cars yeah they are good little
2: cars and, but yeah you and get you, them can get, you can get
3: you can get the seventy five hundred dollar
0: tax credit on them yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, in some States you can get another, like in Colorado, I think you can get another 2,500. So you can get, you can get these things for under
3: $20,000 net. So, there was, there was every once in, for a while, you could, uh, there were, uh, lease deals. you can get it for like $99 a month. Yeah. Just like ridiculous wow. lease steal So I don't That's know if they're going to be cheap because they're, because they're, you know, they're selling so many of them now. I doubt that we're going to get that lease deal because they don't have to do it, but man. I remember because it was a it was a Costco lease deal. I don't have a Costco car because it's just me and my wife, and we don't need you know a pal- you know a pallet full of top ramen. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, oh man, I'm like it's, 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 it's I can't afford not to get a bowl for a hundred dollars a month. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right, let's answer a couple of emails. Um first up, John from West Virginia came in by email at feedback at wheelbearings.media. So you can send stuff there, or you can also send it to in the Discord or in uh, um in the and uh, Mastodon uh and maybe one of these days on Blue Sky. Um Anyway, John says, uh, thanks for your excellent discussions and insights every week. Uh, I have two questions about EV charging as I begin thinking about whether an EV is right for me at this time. Little background. I commute 200 miles round trip, 100 miles each way, two to three times per week for work. Um, That's very much an outlier there. Um, About 90% of which is highway driving through rolling hills. I borrowed my partner's ID4 this past week to test its range on my commute and found that it uses about 50% battery to drive down to work. Uh, and 40% to return. Um, Volkswagen's recommended 80% max daily charge that only left me with 20% state of charge by the time I got to work, which is not quite enough to reach the closest fast charger on the way home, about 45 miles from work. Um, If I charge to 90%, though, it's adequate. Here are my two questions. Do all EVs recommend that a a typical max charge should stop at 80%, except for occasional road-long trips, If so, should I be calculating 80% of the advertised range of EVs as I consider my options? Related, I'm aware that Hyundai Motor Group's cars charge faster than other mass market EVs, uh, but I've also heard that charging stations don't reliably deliver those fast speeds. No, <laughs> where would where you heard that from? Ah. What's, what's your impression of how often EA stations deliver the actual fastest <laughs> charging speed? <laughs> and is it really worth considering <laughs> Hyundai Kia's faster charge time is a plus over other manufacturers. If your impression is that the speed is not reliably as fast as Hyundai Kia cars can handle. So first up, uh, mm. you know, the charging beyond 80% charge.
3: Uh, right. You know, we charge our, we, we, I just said, because we're slow charging it, you know, you charge it at night yeah. at home. I, I We charge it 90%. I'm saying, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> because I'm not, I'm not fast charging up to, to 90%. I'm, I'm slow charging. Well, and I think yeah. even
2: so, like if you're, even if you're fast charging, that 10 to 80% is the sweet spot. So that even if you're plugged in into fast charger, when you hit 80, you can kind of watch wherever it was, oh, no matter what mm, the charge you were getting speed. Yeah. It's, it goes like, so it, it throttles itself back. So it's not like you're still fast charging from that 80 to hundred. So if you want to go a little higher, you can, and you're not like you're technically not necessarily fast charging it anymore.
0: Right, it's- and fine. and the and the you know the the reasoning behind the you know limit you know kind of tapering off after 80 percent or 85 percent is because you don't want to overcharge the battery. You know when you're fast charging, you know it's really easy to overshoot that 100 percent mark, and where you start to damage the battery is when you go past that 100 percent charge. That's where it starts to cause degradation to the battery, so that's why everybody basically caps it, you know, somewhere between eighty and ninety percent, and then tapers off and, and drops it off to a slow charge after that. So mm-hmm. if you're charging at home, you can you can safely charge to hundred percent all you're the time. Charge it right up, right. yeah. Um, you know, and as, you know, as long as you know you're using a good charger, you can charge it to hundred percent, and you'll probably be fine. You probably won't have any issues. And then you know if you're char- if you're fast charging, then limit it to eighty percent. Um, so that you know that would be my suggestion there. Um, and then you know, is it worth going for a Hyundai Motor Group EV for the fast charging? Well,
3: um, I think you know our our <laughs> impressions of like electrify so, America. So it's like a- two thirty to two forty, you know, around there for for the charging rate for the Hyundai's, and so. What's the charge rate for the ID4? Like 70, 80? Uh, even no, it's hands. it's 130. So 130. So even though I'm never, I I think I've only gotten like to I've gotten like 236 like maybe twice with a Hyundai, with a Hyundai Motor Group car, I'm still hitting like 170, 190, you know, 200 um at EA stations with it. So it's not I'm I'm not getting like the full speed, but I'm going quicker than than, you know, than say what I would gotten at, you know, if I was lucky and I, the ID4 was able to to charge it at full speed, it's such a weird thing because if I had an ID4 and it's like, what'd you say it was again? One, 130. 130, I'd probably get like maybe 90 or a 100. I don't know why that's the way, <laughs> like, we're only going to give you uh, uh, like 80% of what your car can do. <laughs> that's the <thing.
2: laughs> yeah.
0: The, the other thing to consider is, you know, you're probably going to have this car for a few years. And, you know, we're right at the beginning of the the NEVI program, the the charging infrastructure build out, you know, it's funded by the federal government. And so over the next several years, there's going to be a lot more fast chargers being installed. So by the time you replace this vehicle, um, then, you know, at some point in between now and then, there's probably going to be more than that one EA station, you know, 45 45 miles (laughs) miles from from your work. I still,
2: even, even with it being like, if you're, if you're finding charging stations and I, you know, I'm a super big fan of EA, um, and how their charging stations work, but even if they're not working well, sometimes they do, even if you're not always finding a charging station that gives you that full charge, sometimes you will. Um, and if you're on a road trip, you never know. So I think having that, I would still look for one that has that capability, even if you're not using it all the time. I still think it's great. And like Sam said, it's increasing number of chargers. The technology is getting better. The chargers themselves are getting more robust. All those reasons. It's not like you're selling this tomorrow. You're yeah. going to hold on this for a little bit. And the longer you have this, the better that network is going to get. So I would still be tempted to go for the Hyundai group because of how their vehicles charge.
0: One, one other thing to consider, you know, if you is, you know, whether if there's an outlet, an electrical outlet, at your workplace where you might mm-hmm. be able to reach you know if you can even if it's just a 120 volt outlet you know if you can plug in there you know yeah. when you get to work in the morning and you know charge for 8 hours so you get you're going like to put s- you're going to put some miles back on there
3: maybe right? like 7 miles an hour added after 8 hours that's that 45 miles <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> <That's> 45 miles <laughs> yeah you're good so uh you know that
0: that might be enough you know so you know talk to your boss you know see, yeah, see we'll see if there's an outlet that it's near where you, where you can park. You don't and, get a hundred foot, like, 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 like cable, yeah. like <laughs> don't do <Yeah>. that. <laughs> yeah, do not get a hundred foot extension cord. No. Uh, but if you can, <laughs> you know, if you can reach it with the, you know, with the charging cable that comes with the car, uh, you know, or like with a you know, 20 foot, you know, proper charging cord, um, then, you know, that's, that's another option for you.
3: Yeah. All right. What um, using right now? I mean, you're, you're still an outlier. If you're, if you're driving your regular gas car, I mean, we, we just, just, I mean, we got a few years. It's not a, you don't yeah. have to rush. If you already have you another rush. car, um, but if you're like, you know, if you want to be a good person for the earth, then.
2: <laughs> wow. Look at him being, if you want to be a good person for the earth, not being judged at all.
3: <laughs> I got two gas cars and a Vespa in my driveway. So I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up from a uh, long time
0: listener, Bryn Behrenshausen. Uh, says, hey friends, been a little while since I rode in, but this weekend I finally got around to stopping into my local Hyundai dealership to test drive an Ionic Five. So I wanted, uh, I've wanted to for some time, but they never had inventory to do so. Overall, the Ionic Five is a great car and would be a really attractive EV for a lot of people, but it is not going to get me to trade in my Model Three. They also had an Ionic Six on the lot. It was, it was already sold, so I couldn't drive it or sit in it but I was able to get a look inside and at the trunk space. Two things are keeping me from trading my Model 3 for either Ionic, storage space and technology. Despite the Ionic 5 being a hatchback, I felt like there was considerably less storage space than in my Model 3. I would argue with that point. I I think that if you actually start packing stuff in there, the Model 3's trunk opening is not that huge, um, and the trunk is not I'm Googling
2: as as you're reading to see what the cargo room is.
0: Say what you will about Tesla, I sure have plenty of gripes, but they—they've really nailed it with the functionality of the Model 3. The large trunk, uh, huge trunk, and spacious, uh, deep well in this trunk mean I can pack it full for road trips to visit family without having to lose the back seat. Uh, I know that wouldn't be the case with either Ionic. The Ionic 6 has an especially small trunk by comparison. He it does have a point there. Furthermore, the tech seems good, but it's not Tesla good. Uh, I don't I—I I don't know about that i think,
3: I, know, think Hyundai... what, I, I think the tech that that, that really the, the the tesla tech is that charging network and the fact yeah. that the tesla like integrates so well in that network like i want to go from here to here and it's like oh very quickly and very easily it tells you where you got to stop
2: yeah by the way guys he is right on the, i'm googling and just getting some quick things pulling up and it's saying the ionic 6 is 11.2 cubic feet and the model yeah. 3 has 19.8
0: I think it was the uh, um, okay. Ionic Five. What about the five, though? Yeah, the, I mean the, the oh, Ionic
2: six. Five. Was he doing? It? Why did I thought it was yeah. Ionic Five? Well, but he's mean,
0: talking about both. I mean, the, I mean the, six. The, the six trunk is definitely small because you've you've got that shape, you know, that sloped rear back. Oh. So the tr- the Ionic Six trunk is small, but the five does have quite a bit of cargo space. Um, let's, let's see. see. Uh, anyway, again, I'm the no test. Five. Tesla it fan. says
2: twenty-seven point two. There you okay, go. Okay,
0: so it's pretty close, and yeah, and I would argue that it's actually probably more usable space um Mm -hmm. easier to use than than in the model three but you know that's just curious yeah um i'm no tesla fanboy but tesla and rivian's tech first approach really speaks to me and i felt it was just a little lacking in the hyundai uh still would recommend the ionics to someone who hasn't been ruined by tesla like i have or who wants a more conventional (laughs) car i'm just hoping the refreshed model three comes with a softer suspension for a smoother ride if so, uh, they'd likely get a repeat customer out of me. Otherwise, my eyes are on the VW ID7. ID7. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, hmm. and the, the ID7 is quite a bit larger, and it is a hatchback, too, which also, again, makes that cargo area a lot more usable than the conventional trunk of either the the Model 3 or the uh, uh, Ionic 6.
3: I'm just happy he's looking at sedans. <laughs> yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right, last one is from <laughs> Kevin Gray. Um, hey, wheel bearings crew. I'm looking for a new car, and the 2024 uh, Subaru Crosstrek piqued my interest. The only problem I've always heard buying the first year of a car is a bad idea. Does this still hold true? Also, if it does for a tw- uh, if it does this for a 2024 model, does that mean changes wouldn't be made until fall of 2024 or for the 2025 model? Uh, thanks oh, for your gosh. help, Kevin.
2: I mean, that is the going wisdom, right? Like everyone will tell you, you shouldn't buy the first model year of any vehicle because they test them like crazy. But then once they get in the real world, they There's do always things. find weird things. And it'd be like, oh, they didn't test it. You guys, they put like so many miles on these. But when real people drive them, things are found. So real, real
0: people break stuff.
2: Real people break yeah. stuff in ways that even engineers don't generally. So, I mean, they try and test them, but I think, I don't know, I... Uh, but I have bought the first model year of cars. So as I say that, I did it. Yeah, so have okay. I did it So I mean, like, and I was like, You're crazy. I'm like, I did anyway. And I, <laughs> I lived, I survived. <laughs> and
0: you know, I think particularly in the case of something like the Cross Track, you know, the the, the new Cross Track is not something that is dramatically different from the previous, the current generation Cross Track. Mm-hmm. You know, it still has the same engine, it still has the same powertrain. It's mostly the same suspension. It's mostly the same technology. You know, it's in a lot of ways, it's more like a mid-cycle refresh. You know, yeah. It, yeah. If it not, was
2: like the all-new Subaru come up with a new badge name and a new engine name, I might be a little bit like.
0: Puma. It might be yeah. a little bit. I mean, yeah. Like If you were, this is if you were thinking existing, of, say, the Subaru Salterra, you know, I, I mean, would that's hold something, a little bit on that. Yeah. That's I would not that the wheels different. were
2: falling off of that or anything. <clears> no, Yeah. yeah but so. I would
0: wait. But yeah, for the Crosstrack,
3: uh, go for it. I think you're fine. Yeah. yeah. I would buy get, the Crosstrack. I wouldn't a have it if
2: that was the worry. Yeah.
3: I got the big infotainment screen now.
0: All right. Um, finally, um, before we say goodbye, uh, I have an interview that I did with uh, Lori Whitman from Cox Automotive. Uh, she is the president of retail solutions at Cox Automotive. We talked uh, at the New York Auto Show. Um, and, uh, so as president of retail solutions, uh, she oversees the growth and strategic direction for the powerhouse brands, auto trader, Kelly blue book, dealer track, dealer.com Vin solutions and X time. So all the, all the publications she's, she's responsible for all that stuff. Um, so Lori and I had a chat about, uh, what's, um, you know, kind of what's going on in the, the retail side of automotive because Cox does all kinds of stuff with dealers. You know, they have a whole bunch of different businesses, So we talked about some of, you know, where things are going as far as inventories and a bunch of other things. Um, So it's about a 15-minute conversation. uh, And I will put that on here right after we say goodbye and see you next time. Bye. 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 See, over the past couple of years, um, it's been really difficult for consumers to buy uh, both new and used vehicles due to the limited inventories. Um, and how and that obviously led to a lot higher prices. Uh, you know, both in terms of uh, availability of vehicles being biased towards the high end, and and then of course dealer markups, which everybody except dealers seems to hate. Um, so you know, how um is the situation getting any better this year?
5: Well, wh- what we're seeing is that as interest rates, you- you've seen vet slowly take interest rates up. Well, and that occurs then they. It does push some buyers out of market. So, what we've seen is that there are some prices declining um, on used cars specifically relative to that. And I think, you know, I think there was another adjustment this week, maybe even, or maybe. Peter was lost. Yeah. Yeah. But so, I think as that continues to happen, I think we will see um, prices decline a bit because of that. Uh, but I think the other factor is that as I talk to dealers, one of the things I've heard is that new car. Inventory is starting to come back a bit, which should also help on the new car side.
0: Okay, um, you know, with with those um, inventory improvements, yeah, you know, are, are we, is there a danger that we're getting to a point where you know, obviously, we've had um, you know demand far exceeding supply for the last two and a half, three years, um, you know, and I know I've sat in a couple of Cox briefings over the last year or so, or they talked about even with some decline in demand. Uh, you know, we're probably still going to be above where the supply levels are. so it's probably not going to be an issue. Are you seeing that change at all? Is there a risk that the demand is going to be the demand level is gonna dip below the supply? that's it available?
5: Well, there is a lot of pent up demand there because of what's happened the last couple of years. but um, you know, I, I do think the buying power of the average person because of interest rates, things that are going on with inflation, are going to push some people to keep their cars longer, so I think I think we'll see demand wane a little bit um, with that. Now, um, as I said, I mean there's there's a lot of pent up demand, so it's it'll be interesting to see how both sides play out.
0: Yeah, I think there's obviously been a lot of people who've kept cars longer than they might have otherwise in the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's not not enough there. Um, so, um, what? Uh, some OEMs have been have indicated that they'd like to maintain lower inventory l- levels going forward. Yeah, you know, they kind of like the way it's been. Yeah. Um, you know, not having as many vehicles sitting on dealer lots, less need for incentives. Yeah. Um, you know, do you think that that is something that's going to be able to be sustained?
5: Well, it's interesting because there there were so many things that we don't want to relim every day after after we get through COVID. But that's actually one bright spot that we saw because. It, it it can positively impact almost everybody as part of transaction. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, consumers do like being able to purchase exactly what they want, to be able to afford uh, um, the features that they want, to pay for only what they, what they need or want. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it's not all this bad for dealers either because dealers spot but there's um, greater customer satisfaction as a consumer gets it I You mean you still
0: have to go and pick from one of 50 different gray or silver cars on yeah. the lot? Yeah.
5: Then all of a sudden, you know, your satisfaction's a little higher, um, and quite frankly, then they're not acquiring new physical space to hold their inventory. We also have that they're not paying as much on floor planning, so their profitability improves as well. So, I think there's a lot of goodness with the custom orders and I think we're gonna to continue to see that continue in the future. I mean not exclusively obviously but, but I think there's gonna be there's gonna be more of that as we continue on. And I think the the biggest challenge, and I think um, uh, dealers are taking it on is is trying to make sure that they keep the customer updated. I think a consumer that orders a car and it just waits and doesn't get updates and and maybe misses dates i think I think that doesn't create a great experience. so I think the dealers that really want to embrace this approach on making sure they're transparent about everything that's going on along the route
0: What about um, approaches like what GM has talked about with having some regional distribution centers where rather than the dealers stocking the inventory the, the the oems could stock that inventory and have a greater variety of vehicles so what I, dealers can order and get them within yeah within a few days
5: yeah yeah what i really like about that is that people are being creative about how to solve some of the supply and demand um it imbalances um i think it's it's potentially a really good thing for consumers because then if you if there is the model that's that is the gray one that you're talking about um that that they're,
0: well, they're not gray I can't, you know.
5: <laughs> um then you know it may just speed up delivery and make it easier on the consumer um, make the time frame look much smaller now um you know i think I haven't spent a lot of time talking to dealers about how this affects their business model, but I mean, a satisfied customer is always a good thing, especially if you're trying to get repeat customers, you're trying to get people in for service. So i got to imagine at some level, it's good for BLOS.
0: So obviously right now we're, we're also going, you know, accelerating this change towards electrification, which has a big impact on dealers, uh, you know, in terms of their, their revenues after sales (laughs) for service. Um, you know we've heard some some things, you know, some some dealers for some OEMs are maybe not crazy about some of the plans they've heard mm-hmm. uh, in terms of how much they're going to have to invest. Um, you know, maybe some of the restrictions they're going to have in terms of pricing. Yeah. what what are you hearing through Cox uh, from dealers?
5: Yeah, in different levels of investment, I feel like every manufacturer has chosen almost a different path to take with their dealers. And I think the ones that are probably, Going to be the most successful are are kind of heading down that path together in in having a dialogue because what what I know from talking to dealers and I talk to a lot of them and they have a lot of customers across the country is that they they see this as a great opportunity to be part of the conversation. Um, what we know from our research is that consumers it's a hard purchase in eb it's it's um it's i could equate it to buying carnal void online it's you you are you have to there's a, st- a lot of stuff you want to figure out and it's for just about range anxiety there's just a lot of other questions that can a lot of technology for them but work. not a lot of technology and 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 there's also the concern of like even if um you know hair you've you have good range hair power, but you know what, what are some of the features? And a dealer can do that. A dealer has always done that. A dealer has been a trusted um, advisor of a consumer and can help them think through the complicated process. So what I know is that dealers want to be part of it. Now, the cool thing about um, some of the approaches that are being taken is that Um, it's going to unlock connections with a younger customer base. And the EV customers are usually more, they're usually younger, they're usually more tech-savvy. And so it's going to help dealers be able to successfully attract some different segments they might not have been able to get to easily.
0: Yeah, with some of the the newer players in the the market, Rivian, Tesla, Lucid, uh, VinFast, they 're not going the traditional franchise dealer route yeah um and you know a lot of consumers buying those vehicles say yeah, we like not having to deal with a dealer not everybody is crazy about you know dealing with working with traditional dealers and you know what you know obviously you know dealers are trying to protect their their turf you know by trying to enforce franchise laws but what are you hearing from dealers about, you know, how they might evolve?
5: Well, and I think we've seen some success with some of those new entrants in the space. Um, and I think that we've also learned a lot from some of the models they've used. And, and I think that's, that's goodness, right? Because I think we can all evolve as an industry. So, I, I, you know, I think there's a lot of goodness that's come out of that. At the same time, I think uh, what we've, what dealers have um, appreciated, and I think even consumers have appreciated, is that it is, um, it's complicated. That that car buying is, uh, is, is not um, just about agreeing to a price and making sure that it's delivered. There are service implications. There's distribution. There's um, all types of things that have to happen. It's, it's a it's a, it's a more than just a one-time event, and I think that's where, as it, you know, what I've heard from dealers is many times a customer has more questions after they go home, You're having a.
0: Yeah, well, t- t- once you finally start to dive into it, yeah. then then the questions start to surface.
5: I've heard a few dealers are doing this what we call second delivery where they're going and having a conversation or the a person's coming to the dealership either way, but they're actually able to get to like the next layer of questions because all of a sudden the person's a dragon car, especially with an E D. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to get that with a franchise dealer and, and you may not may or may not be able to get that with some of the new entrants. And so I think, I think our franchise dealers, um, that are our customers um, know how how many um, aspects of that process, whether it be service, whether it be distribution, whatever it is, understand how important it is and how complicated it is and that they have, they're very, very good at it. And so I think there's room for a, a lot of different people in this industry.
0: And one, one last area I want to get into is the used car market, which is obviously a lot larger than the new car market. Most people don't really realize that. There's a lot more used cars than new cars. And right now, the number of used EVs in the market is still fairly limited because most of the EVs that have been built been built in the last know, three or four years. So a lot of them are still with their original owners. But as these vehicles get into the used car market, more more people that are that buy used cars are now going to be considering EVs. Um, you know, what are some of the things that dealers can do? You know, they're selling used EVs can do to help. Um, still, some confidence do the education, but also confidence, for example, in the quality, you know, in the state of the battery. Um, you know, when you buy a D B.
5: Yeah, it's it's funny you ask about that because that's work that we're doing right now, um, uh, trying to make sure that we are helping. One of the positions that we play in the industry is helping both dealers and consumers, and for that matter, lenders and manufacturers as well, understand the value of the vehicles when, with our Kelly Glue Book product, right? And so what we realize is that we probably have a role to play in making sure that we're doing the same thing for battery health. And so we're investing time and energy on working through that so that we can be prepared to help dealers um, answer those tough questions and um, and appropriately value vehicles going
0: forward. One last uh, thing Um, around those batteries, one of the companies, part of Cox, is Spears New Energy Technologies. Which, among other things, they do battery recycling, uh, which is going to be increasingly important in, in the coming years. Um, but there's still the challenge around the, the business model or the operational model of how batteries go from new vehicle to perhaps second life applications to recyclers. And where is the who gets paid at what stage of that? Is that something that you know, Cox is starting to look at? Uh, you know, as to how to do that, you know, to to capture the value in that battery at its various stages of life and ensure that at the end of life it gets to a recycler for um, proper repurposing.
5: Yeah. So I, I, um, I should be honest with you, out of world in the spheres, new technology space, we purchased we that business because uh, we believe in EVs um, and, and just like everyone else um, are embracing it for the future. Um, And we're investing in that space. Um, It's very nascent for us. Um, And so. For everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it probably makes sense to get some folks from the team involved. Uh That's not an area that I manage.
0: All right. Great. Well, thank you so much, Uh Lori. Pleasure to talk to you. Yeah.
5: Thank you, too.